Hello, I'm Adrian Monk. I work for the World Economic Forum in Geneva. Every week, we produce a podcast about things that are in the news, getting our attention, or just relate to some of the work that we do here. This week, I want to talk about fake news. A few years ago, in its Global Risks report, the World Economic Forum warned of the dangers of massive online disinformation. We don't get every prediction right, but that was one that does seem to have come true. Back then, we called them digital wildfires, and the remedy we suggested was online media literacy to make people a little bit more sceptical, a little bit more wary of what they read. Two years ago to the day, my younger sister died. She lived most of her life with schizophrenia. One of the most obvious symptoms was paranoia. She could hear voices in the walls of her home telling her she was unwelcome. She would write me long letters explaining how our parents were murdering strangers and shipping the bodies abroad. I admit, I ignored them. When my grandfather died, penniless, in the council house in which he'd lived 50 years, my sister told her well-intentioned social workers that he was secretly rich and that she'd been deprived of an inheritance that might pay for her care. A lawyer's letter arrived for my grief-stricken grandmother. Paranoia has its consequences. I wish I could say that I was immune, but we're all a little paranoid. When I turned up at university, my roommate and I quickly discovered we had something in common. Both our fathers were out of work. Was this the reason we'd been placed together? Suspicion and hostility weighed in favor. The fact that our names followed in the alphabet weighed against. Our particular conspiracy theory about the university's social apartheid was wrong. It was the alphabet that had put us in our room. But was there a social divide at the university? David Cameron, who later became British Prime Minister, was at the college next door to mine. We never met. I never went to the champagne parties or the country house weekends. There was a real divide. Rich students, I thought, could smell the poor ones and keep away. I'm sure my sullen manner had little to do with it. All I can say is I understand resentment. I know what it's like to be ignored, and I've lived with my own paranoia and the effects of paranoia on my closest family. And that's where fake news comes in. It may look like journalism, but it really isn't anything to do with journalism. Before I came to the World Economic Forum, I was a professor. My subject was journalism. And up to the age of 40, I was a journalist. You might think that qualifies me to talk about fake news. You might think probably that I've faked some myself. But actually, fake news doesn't have anything to do with journalism. It has a lot to do with resentment and paranoia. I once had the opportunity to go out on a launch to see great white sharks. The sharks swam curiously and placidly around our small bobbing boat. They were not there for us. They were there to feed on seals that bred on a nearby island. The downwind had a huge seal sanitation problem. I asked the captain about the tourist pictures I'd seen of sharks with their jaws wide open, ready to kill. How did people get those pictures? Simple, he said. Some of the boats threw chum, pieces of fish, out onto a line and dragged it to a cage by the boat. The otherwise bored sharks would bare their teeth to get the meat. The visitors would have their dramatic picture. This is the world of fake news, a world in which information is chum. Rumor is dragged around to attract resentment and feed paranoia. If you want an example of what that looks like, there's one readily to hand. Someone called Alex Jones produces a website called InfoWars. Alex is a strange individual. He looks like an angry Christmas pudding, and he speaks like somebody who is angry all of the time. 
Alex believes that the Sandy Hook massacre in which young children were killed was a product of a conspiracy. He thinks the same is true of 9-11. He thinks the bombing that convicted Timothy McVeigh was a government plot. What he peddles is resentment. What he feeds is paranoia. And I'll give you an example that's close to home from where I work now, here at the World Economic Forum. His website, Infowars, just published a piece based on something we published on our agenda blog. That blog publishes a lot of different pieces, hoping to inform global debate on some of the issues that we care about. One of them was by a Danish parliamentarian called Ida Orkin. She wrote about the year 2030 and what she expected to see in that year. In addition to being a parliamentarian, Ida's also a priest in the Church of Denmark, but not according to Infowars. According to Infowars, Ida is a member of the global elite. And here's what they have to say. If you listen closely, the global elite are telling us exactly what they intend to do. These elitists share a dream of an environmentally friendly, dystopian socialist paradise in which individual freedom is severely restricted for the good of the collective. A perfect example of what I'm talking about is an article that appeared on the official website of the World Economic Forum entitled, Welcome to 2030. I own nothing, have no privacy, and life has never been better. It was authored by Ida Orkin, and she's convinced we can achieve this type of society by 2030. What Infowars does is to take something in the public domain, something that speculates a little bit about the effect that automation will have on our lives, and hopes, yes, hopes, that automation will be positive, that robots might actually take some of the chores away. They might do what washing machines, what dishwashers have done for our lives, make them just a tiny little bit better. It takes an article like that and it turns it into poison. Not because it wants to advance fact, because it wants to feed paranoia. It wants to feed resentment. As I said, I can understand the resentment and I can understand the paranoia. I've lived with both of those things, but I don't think they're positive forces in society and I don't think they're things we should be feeding. And I think if people knew better, they wouldn't either. It would be easy to laugh at somebody like Alex Jones. He does look comical. He does have a ping pong ball for a head. He does look like a child's drawing of a human being. And to hear his angry voice pouring out over the internet is really to experience something both comic and also disturbing. But if you're one of the parents of a child killed at Sandy Hook, if you're one of the people whose loved ones died in 9-11, if you're one of those folks who actually is related to something that Alex says is a conspiracy, is a bizarre, weird, alien-led, elite, lizard people type conspiracy. If you're one of those people, it's not so funny. It's your life. My sister's paranoias weren't funny to us. My sister's problems weren't funny for those who had to live with the consequences of them. Alex Jones's poisonous filth isn't funny for the people whose lives really were affected by the things he carves up and throws out. So we need to think long and hard about the kind of society we want. We need to think long and hard about our own paranoias, our own resentments, and whether or not we want to feed them or perhaps address them a little more coolly, a little more skeptically, and with a little bit more humanity. I'm Adrian Monk. That's On Our Radar. Join me next week.